the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's good to see every one of you. From his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. That's what the Bible tells us in John. From his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. I am what I am by the grace of God. It's only by the grace of God. We thank God that the grace of God is available to you. Paul, in his letters, every time he writes, he's saying to the people of God, grace to you and peace from the Father. Grace to you. And I'm saying that to you tonight. Please receive grace to you and peace from God our Father. Grace is what beautifies the Christian's life. Grace is what transforms your life. The good thing about grace is we can have more grace. You can have more grace in your life. And I said here before, the sin cannot stand against the power of grace. No sickness can stand against the power of grace. But we can increase the level of grace that we have in our life. And let God show us how to do this. How do we grow in grace? What do I have to do to grow in grace? Now the scripture tells us, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. If you don't want more grace in your life, you don't want more of God, God will not bother with you. But if you are not satisfied, and you say, I want to know God. Now remember, you only have one lifetime to get to know God. Just a lifetime. And I've got to think about that constantly in my mind. I only have this lifetime. And I'm thinking, it's getting shorter. I've got to know God better. God, open my eyes. I want to know you better. I want to understand who you are here. Not when I get there and I see you face to face, but I want to know you here while I'm living here on earth. Because the more you know God, the better your life, and the better the lives of those around you. Because your life can touch their life. You are the light of the world. And that's what the scripture tells us. So I want to know God Now, to know God, you need revelation. Revelation knowledge of God. You see, there are a lot of people out there, they claim to know God, but God's never in their thought. They know that there is a God. In their mind, they can tell God lives, but they have no idea about who He is. They are not concerned about death. They are not concerned about the world to come. They are not concerned about anything because No grace is evident in their life. They don't know God. They know of Him. But you can know God. And one of the key ways to know God better 
And to have more grace in your life is through revelation knowledge, getting to know God in His Word. Let me let you know this. When you have the revelation knowledge of God through His Word, the more you get to know God through His Word, the more you love Him. The more God unveils Himself to you, the greater your love for Him. And you cannot stand to be out of His presence. You love Him. You want to know Him better. If you read in 1 John chapter 1, John was saying that God that was in the beginning. He said, our eyes have seen Him. We heard Him. We handled Him with our own hands. And you know about John, he always wanted to be so close to Jesus. So the more you know God, the more you will love Him. And the more you love God, the more you don't want anything that will offend Him. The more you want to live for Him, the closer you want to be to Him. The more you know God in His Word, the more you trust Him. When God avails Himself to you, you, you'll be in rest. Because you will know Him, you know of His faithfulness, you know of His loving kindness as He reveals that to you through His Word. You know of His great mercy. You know that He's faithful, that He will not lie. He reveals that to you in His Word. And the more He reveals that to you in His Word, the more confident you are in God. That He loves you, that He'll never leave you, He'll never forsake you, that His promise is good, He'll keep His word, and so there is that trust in your heart. The more you know Him, the more passionate you are for Him. And that's grace. It is grace. When God unveils Himself to you, you have more grace. When you have found favor in God's sight, he talks to you as like a friend. That's grace. When you have grace from God, He'll speak to you directly. The world may not hear His voice. They don't know His voice. They don't know what He is about. But He'll talk to you just like a friend. Jesus made it very clear. He said, you know, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. That's a lot of grace. Because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. And that's a lot of grace. Paul prayed for the church concerning grace, Ephesians chapter 1, revelation to know God, beginning from verse 15. He says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So knowing Him is the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened. After that, that you know the hope of his calling. So, only through revelation, you get to know the hope of God's calling upon your life. When God calls you, calls you to himself, 
There is a hope to it. You can no longer be hopeless. Because God's in your life. God wants you to know that it's only through revelation knowledge. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. So you can multiply grace. You can multiply peace. How do you do that? Grace and peace. How many love peace? We like to have peace. I love peace. And we're going to talk more about peace. Grace and peace. They go together. You can't have one without the other. When you have grace, you have peace as well. Grace and peace be multiplied. What is this saying? You can multiply grace in your life. And you can also multiply peace. How? Through the knowledge of Christ. Knowing God will multiply grace in your life. It's always only through knowing Him. You can multiply through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you are troubled, if whatever your problem is, whatever is coming against your life, what you need to have peace is to know Him. And how do you know Him? Through His Word, the revelation of His Word. And, and, and this is a fight. Not because God doesn't want to reveal himself to you, but the enemy doesn't want you to know God. And so you have to apply a little bit of energy. You have to do certain things, not because if I don't do this, God won't do this, but that's telling God you're ready for it. Remember I said on Sunday, God will not give you anything that you don't want. The fact that you are searching, remember, deep calls out to deep. The fact that you are searching tells God, I need you. I want you to reveal yourself to me. When you do that, then you're giving God permission. You know, remember the scripture, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hears my voice, you open, then you come in. But until you open... He's not going to come in. And Satan is the same way. You do something that lets him know you are asking for him. He rushes in. (laughs) That's not a good one. You visit a certain place. He knows you need him. That's why you're here. Tonight you're here because you're saying, I need God. And he registers to him. He understands what you're doing. You have shown it by your action. And God tells him he now has the right to come into your life. God will not bother with you if you don't want him. Or if you don't do things to let him know you're looking for him. He said, you will find me if you search me with all of your heart. You will find me. I will be found of you. So your actions is what demonstrate to him that you need him. You may not read too hard. You may not become a theologian, but if your heart is in it, I want God. He comes by His grace and reveals Himself to you. But I tell you, one, just one short moment of revelation in His grace, your life will be transformed. Amen. I always remind myself about Solomon. He wanted God. The guy knew he didn't have so much wisdom. He says, looking at this kingdom as the people gather, he's thinking, I can rule these guys. 
I'm not my father. That's David. He killed Goliath. I haven't killed a fly. No kidding. <laughs> I can't do it. And he, he wanted God. But there was something in his heart that wanted God. And one night, God showed him much grace. And let me let you know, when God shows you grace and mercy, it's never taken away. Just one encounter stays with you through life. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Whatever God gives to you, He stays with you. He doesn't leave you. you have, it takes a while for you to have confidence, but it finally stays with you. It registers. I think uh, someone asked me one time, is it, is it, do you have the gift for healing? And do, do, do you believe that the gift of healing is in? And I said, well, I don't think on it. But I know I don't have any doubt. If I go anywhere to preach and my mind is set on praying for the sick, somebody's going to be healed. I've come to realize that. And I may go for several months and not even think about healing. But when my mind is on that, I know that's coming from God. Amen? And the gift's already there. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. But, I, I, but there was a time in my life, that's all I wanted to know. And there was a time in my life, all I wanted to know is about the Holy Spirit and how to get people filled with the Holy Spirit. Then there was another time, I wanted to get out demons from people. That was all I thought. Come out in Jesus' name was my thing. I wanted to do that. But God works with you according to your heart's desire. And as you desire, you begin to search after, go after him. He'll reveal himself to to you. And he reveals himself only through his grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that is not even by yourself. It's not of you. It's by God himself. But God has to see that desire in you that you need him. And he'll reveal himself to you. He might even choose to appear before you. You know, um, so, but God's so faithful. Um, it's, I don't mean, it's, it's hard for me just to think about how God, how God can be. There's a hard desire. Um, many of you know I talk about T.L. Osborne a lot, but I see the faithfulness of God as he responds to people. He said, I came back from India totally defeated. I, I tried to preach to the Indians from my Bible, they, from my black book, the Bible. They will bring their own black book called Koran. And they, he, they, he said, this is the word of God. They said, no, we don't believe that. Our Koran is the word of God. Both black, black books. How do you prove which one is the word of God? But then he said, he came back to America so defeated. So defeated. Let's go back to America where people believe the Bible is the word of God. That's where we can get some results. But that thing never left him. That thing was still there. And he started crying to God. And then he heard a message. If you see Jesus, you'll never be the same. And he started fasting and praying. And said one morning, his whole life and ministry till he died was transformed. One morning. Jesus appeared in his room, physically. His wife wasn't happy. He said, Jesus came into our room and I slept through it. 
she held it for a long time. She says, I'll follow your husband because I know Jesus. I can see the, I can see the proof of it in your life. Everything changed. Ministry going nowhere, now worldwide. One encounter. Because his heart was there. He said, he says, I've got to see Jesus. I'm so defeated. And then, I don't know how long he prayed. He said he was sleeping, opened his eyes. Jesus was standing by the door. He said, I was crying. Tears were pouring out of my eyes. Read the book, Healing the Sick. Tears were pouring out of my eyes, but I was not aware of crying. And he said, so beautiful. He got up. He couldn't move, he said, until about noon. When he finally got out of bed. And he was telling his wife what he had seen. And um, she couldn't understand it. But from that day on, everything changed. And stayed with him to the day he died. It all depends on how far you want to go with God. The grace is already here. Grace is not going to be given. It's already here. You can multiply it. If it's not available, how can you multiply it? It's already been given. You can have more grace if you want it. So I pray God help me to want these things. And not be distracted by what's going on around me. And what the worldly people are saying. And all the craziness in the world. And people are almost forgetting that there is a God. And you wonder, everybody's going crazy. Can all of them be wrong? And I'm right following God. Those thoughts will go through your head. But you're right. Because the way is narrow. It's very narrow. Only few will find it. Very few. So we don't have to run after them. You are able to be on that narrow way because of the grace of God in your life. Grace was what opened your eyes to see that even though you have a few people truly following God, even though you see that, you know you are on the right path because God's opened your eyes and you have the grace of God upon your life. That's the only thing that's carrying us. The grace of the living God. Let me read from the Amplified Version of Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. It says, May grace, that's God's favor and peace, which is perfect well-being. Perfect well-being be multiplied to you in the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. May grace and peace, grace, that's God's favor, and peace which is perfect well-being, all necessary good, that's peace, that's shalom, all necessary good. If it's good, it's for you. God wants it multiplied. Grace, God's favor upon your life. You don't deserve it, but God wants to pour it upon your life. That can be multiplied. Then peace also is multiplied. All goodness, all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity, and freedom from fears. There's all kinds of fears. 
all kinds of fears that we go through all the time. Sometimes fears come through the mail. You open that mail, you were happy before, now you read just a few lines, you are almost in tears. All kinds of fears. The grace of God and peace can deliver us from all of those things. Freedom. Freedom from fears. Be multiplied. Amen? Freedom from fears be multiplied through the knowledge of God. When you know God, then your freedom from fear is multiplied. Freedom from sickness and disease. All people have all kinds of fears. People have all kinds of phobias. Phobia of the, you know, dark, you know, uh, closed places. People don't, claustrophobia, that's what, what we call it. Some Christians are still afraid of that. Fear of flying. I remember watching this guy who flew from, with me uh, the first time in the plane. I was watching him. Uh, he, he said he was really nervous. And I could tell he was really worried. Uh, he made it so nervous. He announced to everybody, this is my first time of flying. <laughs> so I knew he was nervous and I was watching him. I knew we, he probably didn't know that Sometimes up in the air is bumpy, it's not that smooth. And I was watching this guy. When we had a few of the drops, his eyes went like <laughs> it's like he looked around to see if everyone was experiencing what he was experiencing. He thought it was over. But as he looked around, everybody was calm, people reading their newspaper. I guess he figured that's not the problem then. He went back. But I was watching him and he was good. But we got all kinds of fears. But we got freedom from fears. And agitation. Agitating passions. And moral conflicts. I want to do right. But there is this conflict. Here. There's, and there's something pulling at you to do what's wrong. Grace. Peace. Peace of God delivers us from all of those things. Agitating passions. You, you don't want those things. Uh, moral conflicts. It says, be multiplied to you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you know God and you really get to know him in his word, you hold nothing back. You want to give him your whole life. You love him. And you want to give. When you don't really know God, it's hard to give. It's hard to make sacrifice. To give your life away. Today, sometimes in my thinking, we don't really know. Uh, especially here, where God's made everything so free for us, we can worship God. I think Amy brought a magazine to my office to show it to me. And I saw people that have been mutilated. For their faith. And they have smiles on their face. Some of them are happy. And they're going to church. In, in, in the face of everything that's happening to them. And here people are too busy. To go to church. While others are giving their lives to God. The difference is grace. The difference is grace. They're willing to die. We're not even willing to give. It's too hard to give. 
We want the good life. Others are giving their lives. We're afraid to give a few dollars. What's going on? That, that should frighten you. If you're so worried about these little things, to give up for God, somebody's willing to die for their faith. What's the difference? That's not natural. That's the grace of God. So check what's going on in your life. Do you want to multiply grace in your life? Do you truly want to follow after God? So we need that. Paul said in, in, uh, I mean in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, it says, Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Acts 20, verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to what? The word of his grace. So you want grace? Stay with the word. Study the word. Is the word of God's grace. The more, that's knowledge now, the more of God's word you know, the greater the faith you will have. You can't have faith without grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. So the more, the word of God is the word of his grace. And you can multiply grace through knowledge. The reason you don't have much grace is because you don't desire it. It's not precious to you. Otherwise, you stay with the word. You study the word. You can have more peace in the word. You can have freedom from sickness and disease from the word. Understanding the word. Everybody can believe in healing, all of this stuff, or whatever it is. But if you want anything changed in your life, stay in that area of the world, and the world will bring grace that will deliver you that freedom that you need. Stay in that area where you think, I, I need this. I want to be strengthened in this. If you study about people who pray, and you study Jesus' life and prayer and all of that, before long, you begin to want to pray. Because the spirit of prayer that you're studying from the Word, the Word of His grace, will begin to come into your life. And then you start feeling bad, I'm not praying enough. Well, there are so many people that are not, they don't pray at all, they don't feel anything, but you're feeling it. That's God's grace. And before long, you're waking up, making that sacrifice, praying to God, and your life has been transformed. It's all by His grace. I commend you to the word of His grace, or I commit you to the word of His grace, which is able to build you. So the word of God, the word of His grace, is what builds the Christian person. That's what transforms your life. The word of his grace. That's what makes the difference. The less word you have in your life, the, more you, you, or the less you understand who God truly is. You just be going by your understanding. That's all you're doing. You walk in the flesh. It's how you feel. That's the way you go though. Every time it's your feeling. You're feeling, you're feeling, you're feeling. How you feel. But is that feeling right? The Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
Because the Spirit of God may tell you to do things that don't make sense to anybody. It doesn't make sense. Why should I do this? I remember the God told this guy he was surrendering to God. I read this somewhere. He was surrendering to God. God, I love you. I want to do anything that you want me to do. And God said, well, stop by this uh, convenience store. Go in. Stand on your head. Told you this story. Stand on your head. And he, he had made a promise to God because he was hungry. He wanted to know God better. Okay. Who, who among us would try something like that? Then he said, that's a silly thought. In fact, I will rebuke it. It's of the devil. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Everybody will think I'm crazy. And according to this story, he said, okay, I'll do it. Simplicity. But he went in there, stood on his head, and the, the, the guy who was at the counter was nice, late. The guy was looking at him and said, what's, what's this? But this fellow, according to this story, had said to God, God, if you are alive, then send somebody to stand on their head. And this crazy man came and stood and got up and walked out. But that was his deliverance. He got his answer. I know that's kind of hard to believe. But for me, I, had, I, also, I told you a story when I was in Georgia uh, in college. There was a young man that had challenged God the day before and said, if you're God, then send somebody to me. And uh, I, I, I came back from school. He was playing. I told you he had this, uh, his uh, earphone in those days, those big earphones you cover your ear, and he was playing his rock music. And I was just, wow, with all of <laughs> guitar and all of that stuff. And I said, God, I'm not going. See, he's enjoying his rock music. I'm not going there. God said, go to him, and I couldn't rest. So finally I said, okay, I'll go. And I walked to his room, and he, he threw his stuff up, and then he stood before me, and he rushed to me like, what do you want? And then I started speaking without thinking. You never done that, only me do stuff like that. I just was talking, but what, because I wasn't willing. And while I was talking, I knew I wasn't making sense, and this guy was just smiling, and I thought, you see, God, I shouldn't have done this. See, I, I already look like an idiot, you know. He's not even hearing. So I said, I need to pull myself back, get my Roman road. All I've seen and come short of the glory of God so I can make sense to this fellow. And I said, uh, I noticed uh, you're kind of smiling now. You have any question? He said, no, 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 I have no question. So I said, oh, this is not going good. He said, you know, this is amazing because last night, I remember his name, Bob was his name. He said, I remember last night I was just telling God, if you are God, if you truly live, send somebody to me. And there I was talking to him. And he dropped his uh, earphone and then he had his Bible. He brought his Bible. I had one and was reading. He wasn't listening to rock music anymore. And I went to my room. I was shouting, yes, I did it. No, I didn't do anything. (laughs) I was not willing to do that at all. But when when your heart's in there, God will show you things and show you, tell you to do things that may even be contrary to how you think. So he commends us to the word of his grace that is able to build you up. He'll build you up. The word of God will build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. So what's going to give you an inheritance? The word of his grace. 
So you want God to do certain things? You need the word of his grace. That's what we need, knowledge, to be multiplied to us through God. And it's the word that makes us wise. I'm going to go to the next one. The next one is, uh, if you want to multiply grace, simple, humility. Humility. I know what people think about humility. If, if he doesn't talk much about himself, if he's like, oh, that's not me, it's, it's the Lord. That's humility for us, you know. Uh, it says like the story of the lady, you know, she couldn't sing, but uh, she liked to sing. And she'd tell the congregation, uh, don't listen to the voice, it just is the words. The words is what matters before she sang. In those days, uh, Bill Johnson's and Pastor Andy's days. Okay. <laughs> I'm, picking <laughs> I'm picking on these guys. Hallelujah. Yes. We had church in those days, Bill, right? It was wonderful. I mean, your group. No, okay. <laughs> but in those days, you would hear them. They would sing by themselves. They have a special. So we always have specials. And even though they can't sing, they make joyful noise. They still want to sing special. But she wanted to sing, sing uh, special. So she told the church, I'm going to sing a special for, to you guys. And don't worry about the way it sounds. Just enjoy the words. And so she sang. And, but she, what she was doing was... Uh, Lowering, uh, what do you call it? Expectation. Just lowering that for them. And when she got to the words were good. This fellow went up to him, trying to be nice. He said, uh, uh, Sister, that was a good, good song. Yeah, the words were so beautiful. Even, but you can't sing. <laughs> you, you sure can't sing. Man, she was mad. I dare you. That's false humility, you see? That's false humility. What is humility? Humility is, I'm totally dependent on you, God. That's what it is. I'm totally dependent on you. Without you, and Jesus told us that, without me, you can do nothing. But you know what Jesus said? I can of my own self do nothing. You know that? He said that. I can't do anything. He said, the words, even the words that I speak, they're not my words. They came from him. He wasn't bragging. I can of my own self do nothing. He says, the works that you see, he is the father. The father is the one that's doing it. I can't do anything on my own. I don't even have my own words. I'm totally dependent on my father to do everything. That's humility. Total dependence on God. I'm trusting in nothing else but you and you alone. That's true humility. And that's from the heart. It's not from the head. It's not what they say about Sometimes when you listen to some of these individuals who are truly humble before God, because you can see it on the outward, when you hear them speak, you, that's an arrogant person. That's what people thought about uh, Oral Roberts. When you hear him talking on television, you, these uh, newspaper guys, they were very scared to go have an interview with him because they thought he was so arrogant because of the way he projects himself when he's talking out of faith. People thought, who does he think he is? How can he be saying all of that stuff? But these guys, and this were, uh, I think it was Charisma magazine, 
the editors wanted to interview him, and they were scared. They thought he just would brush them aside. They themselves confessed they had never been before anyone that humble. They were shocked. They said, we were so shocked. We couldn't believe this was the aura robber that everybody sees. When he's alone, when you're with him, it's different. Because he is depending totally on God. And that's what gives him confidence. Not what you see on the outward. It's the humility in the heart that's saying, I can't do this, I need God. You know, the next, next thing we're going to be talking about is prayer. But you know, when you are totally dependent on God, you'll be on your knees. That's a sign of humility. When you are not praying at all, that's a sign that you think you can handle it on your own. And you only go to him when things are a little bit out of hand. You can't handle it anymore. You have a problem. And God knows you have a problem. So you've got to pray to him. So humility is really a matter of the heart. I talked about Solomon. Yeah, Solomon, he didn't think he had any kind of wisdom, but he loved God. And he was very frank with God. I don't know how to do this. I'm just a young man, don't have the wisdom. I can't, I can't look at your great people. I can govern them. I need your help. God, give me some wisdom. And God just loaded him with wisdom. Because God resists the proud. And he does what? He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And that was an unusual grace that came upon Solomon's life on that day. Unusual grace. And you can see David. David was different from from Saul. Saul and David, they both sinned against God. And if you want to look look at it from human terms... Saul, all Saul did was go and do this and he didn't carry it out. He used his own understanding. God said, destroy all the Amalekites. He said, that doesn't make sense. God said to do something and in his mind, that doesn't make sense. And these guys were telling him, you're going to destroy all of these beautiful things. Keep some of this. We can give back to God some of these animals for our sacrifice. It made sense, but that's not what God said. That's pride. You don't know better than God. And when Samuel spoke to him, he said, look, it was the people. They said it, and that's what I did. And then he said to Samuel, Samuel was trying to walk away. He says, now look, I'm the king. You really need to honor me before the people. He was concerned about what the people thought about him. Honor me before the people. Stay with me and worship. As Samuel started going, he held Samuel's clothes. And that thing tore. And he, he's made that statement, I want you to stay with me. Honor me. Read the scripture. Honor me before the people. Because I'm the king. David wouldn't dare do that. David was confronted by another prophet. Nathan, you remember? And David says, I'm not you know, king. He says, I have seen him. And he humbled himself. Started fasting. And he, you read, if you read Psalm 51, you see what he was saying. Please don't deal with me like you dealt with Saul. I need your Holy Spirit. Against you I sinned. But if you look at this scene, one killed. David killed 
the man to get his wife. <laughs> uh, we'll kill you here in Texas if you did that, right? You're dead. But God forgave him and allowed him to be king and they made a promise. Through you, Christ will come. Why? He humbled himself. God will resist the proud and he'll give grace to the humble. If you want promotion from God, humble yourself. That's what Jesus did. He humbled himself, so God lifted him up and gave him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. Humility is the way to much grace in in a person's life. James tells us, 4 verse 6, but he gives, what? More grace. Say with me, I want more grace. But God gives. God gives more grace. I need more grace. God's willing to give. So I ask for more grace. He gives more grace. Therefore he says, God, because God gives more grace, then God says, I resist the proud and... Give grace to them. So, if you, since God's giving more grace, and you want more grace, what do you have to do? Humble yourself. And you'll get it. Amen? All you need to do is humble yourself. Because God's already given, He's eager to give more grace that will transform your life. All I need to do is humble myself before Him. Tell Him, God, without you, I can't do anything. And let it come from the heart. Is an attitude of the heart. And then God begins to pour more grace into your life. Because he sees that. Just like Solomon. Just like David. I'm, it's over for me. God, I, if you don't help me, it's over. I've really, I've really blown it this time. I need your help. And God took him way up. A man after God's heart. Because he will humble himself. This thing about humility is something that is hard to understand. Many of you know the story of Ahab. Ahab, the husband of Jezebel. And he was a very wicked king. And they killed a man to get his property. Neboth. They killed him to get his property. And then as soon as he went, I mean, this guy had been wicked all his life. And he went in there and he was going to possess it because his wife said, the trouble is gone, the man is dead, now you rise up, possess the land. And he went there and (laughs) the prophet came. And spoke a word against him. And the king immediately, I mean, it was supposed to be instant judgment. And Ahab was, because of the judgment, he was begging God. And God told the prophet, go back. It's not going to be this time. I'm going to, he humbled himself. I won't do it right away. That's an amazing thing. That's a, he just killed somebody. A righteous man. Just for a little humility, God responded. That's an amazing thing. So humility is the key. I, I, I don't have it. God, I need you to help me. And God will respond. Psalm 149, verse 4, it says, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. How many God's people we have here tonight? God takes pleasure in you. Everything you do is pleasurable to him. When you smile... He's happy to see you smile. Amen. He takes pleasure in you. He takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify who? The humble. 
with salvation. That's deliverance. He'll beautify your life. Number three is the altar. I'm going to go the prayer altar. Hebrews 4, because I don't want to come back to this message. It's over tonight. <laughs> okay. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of what? So what is the name? What's the name to God's throne? God's throne is called the throne of grace. There's grace all over where God's sitting. Amen? And he said to come boldly. Why? Because God gives more grace. And he wants you to come boldly because you're sure to get it. You don't need a whole lot of faith. You're sure to get it if that's what you want. He says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. So grace is the helper. Find grace to help in time of need. So prayer, the prayer altar is the place to find grace. Grace is help. Nothing can resist the power of grace. No problem can stand in the presence of grace from God. No problem. Not even the flood can take you when there is grace. You will be in the ark. Nothing can stand against grace. So God says, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Do you have a need today? Whatever the need may be, you can find help for that problem if you will go to the throne of grace. So the prayer altar is the point. When things get really rough for me and I'm not understanding stuff, my wife and I will usually go to fasting. I think this week, uh, I think it was Monday and Tuesday, we were fasting. And today we got the result, right? And it was a good one, right? Yes. We knew we had something to pray for. So we fasted on Monday. Uh, I was shocked in the evening. Uh, we break the fast in the evening. We spoke prayer and fasting. I told Angela, let's pray together about this. Uh, I'd already prayed in the morning here, but we needed prayer. We need grace. This is going to be significant. So we needed to pray. So we fasted, and I fasted on Tuesday, just yesterday too, because I need more grace. We need God's help. Come boldly to the throne of grace so that you can obtain mercy. Because whatever has happened, you remember what that man was saying? Lord, he says, Son of David, have what? Mercy upon me. And Jesus stood and said, Call him. And everybody said, Your trouble is over. He's calling for you. <laughs> You'll be happy now. It's okay. Come. He's calling. He heard you. You screamed enough. He heard you. So we find grace to help in time of need. So when we need that, we go to God in prayer. The first thing is impartation. Impartation. Um, this is something that is unusual. I don't think people believe it much anymore, but this thing, he does work that way. But only if you desire it. How many of you know of Steve Hill? Maybe no. Steve Hill. Uh, the Brownsville Revival. Yeah. You know what happened before then? Brownsville Revival. He said, I was hungry. And I was looking. I had prayed and fasted. And I needed a greater anointing. And then uh, he, in his mind, I've got to get Beanie Hinn. Beanie Hinn is just a man. And he said, I stalked him everywhere he went. 
And then I found, I, he was preaching somewhere. I went to the hotel, found out the hotel where he was staying. This was Steve Hill saying this now. I found out the hotel where he was staying, found out his room. I didn't go to the meeting. I sat there waiting for him. And Benny wasn't happy. Something had happened. Benny said he was kind of, you know, not very happy. Just wanted to get to his room, maybe fall on his knees and pray. And then all of a sudden, Benny showed up. And Steve Hill said, I ran from where I was. And I said, Benny, uh, he, he went on his knees. He says, take your hand here, right here. Put it here. Benny says, what's, what's going This is a hotel lobby room. What's going on here? He says, sir, put your hand right here and pray for me. That's all I'm asking. Benny said, okay. It didn't seem like much going on. He laid his hands. He wasn't, I mean, this guy wasn't happy about something. He wanted, basically, I'm going to get rid of you, Steve. I'll pray for you, and that's it. Prayed a short prayer and went. But guess what happened? Changed everything. Brownsville Revival. These things can happen. If your heart is in it, and there is a heart desire. Because God gives the righteous the desires of your heart. And sometimes we just need somebody as a point of contact for God to pour that thing into your life. But notice, sir, when God delivers it to you, He stays with you for life. It doesn't go away. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Amen? Stand up with me tonight.